0: Today on the Farming Programme, something of a first for our agricultural chaplain, Alan Robson. Well, uh, how interesting, yes. uh, You've not asked me over the last 15 years. Also, we've reaction on a government consultation which could see a ban on the export of live animals.
1: We just don't think that the situation has been thought through uh, properly at all. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme, with Sean Dunderdale.
0: Good morning. More on all that soon. But throughout the programme today, I'm going to be joined by Nick Morris, our man from British Sugar, as we enter the closing weeks of the latest campaign. Later, we'll hear of investment at the Newark factory and thoughts on next year's crop. First, though, the campaign that's still ongoing. So uh, for the first time today, we'll say hello to Nick. Morning, Sean. How are things?
2: Yeah, well we're 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 getting on quite well really. Um I guess starting with the obvious, it's difficult to make head and a tail of the of the weather at the moment. It seems to be changing from rain to sleet to snow to frost to then being mild and uh uh it's it's difficult to forecast exactly what's coming. I suppose importantly for us we have been able to make uh some progress with harvesting over the last two weeks, which has been was getting uh, not quite critical but getting quite tight. So that's been been really encouraging. And in fact, uh, when I look at the, uh, the haulage groups, we're probably still ranging from a few days of supply to a few weeks uh, in, in other groups. So, importantly, we certainly haven't compromised uh, factory throughput yet through lack of beet supply, but it has been getting close in a few quarters. So, with the campaign itself, we're now 150 days through, and that's uh, just over three quarters. And we've probably got five to six weeks left of campaign to run. Sugar content's probably been the, the main story um, uh, behind overall yield this campaign, uh, and it peaked really quite late in mid-December at 18.5%, and typically we'd expect it to peak between mid-October and mid-November. So it did peak a lot later, and as expected, it has dropped back uh, somewhat, as is, is normal during uh, every campaign, uh, to about 17.6% for the last week. Uh, I would expect that to hold fairly steady now through to uh, through to the end of campaign. The average for the whole campaign so far is seventeen point eight percent and dirt five point nine percent. We've still uh, got about fifteen percent of our crop in the ground waiting to be harvested over the next five to six weeks. So hopefully that weather pattern will continue just to allow us access, even if it is interrupted at times. Um, moving on to uh, the actual finished contracts that uh, I, I normally talk about so we've now got 360 contracts that are finished and they're currently averaging 76 tonnes a hectare I said I'd expect to see that increase and it has uh, and will hopefully end up somewhere near to 78 uh, so the, the, the those that are finished so far represent about a third of our area so pretty representative view The factory itself, throughput, is still averaging 9,700 tonnes a day, so that's 50 tonnes ahead of our budget. Uh, So we're really, really happy with the the factory process.
0: Thank you for the moment. Nick, you're uh, staying with us back in a short while to discuss next year's crop And as I say, that uh, off-season work at the factory as well. It's in a a short while. First, let's go to the telephone. The government is thought to be considering a ban on the export of live animals for slaughter. The consultation is due in the next few weeks, we believe. Apparently, Michael Gove is seriously thinking about what is a very emotive issue. Phil Stocker is the chief executive of the National Sheep Association. Phil, what's your reaction to the consultation?
1: Well, we're... um... The situation has been thought through uh, properly at all. Uh, you know, we're we're of the view that the government has been lobbied hard by uh, some welfare uh, campaigning organisations that have called for a ban on the live export of sheep for uh, for slaughter. Um, but it's simply not that simple, you know. Um, and and to be honest, you know, a, a, a lot of the uh, the issues that people are concerned about do not cause any uh, poor welfare for, uh, for, for for sheep at all. For instance. Uh, taking sheep across water is not at all cruel, and all the research that has been done has shown that there are no uh, levels of stress are extremely low, and if anything, it's a, a better journey than uh, than travelling by road. And um, and and as another example, if we were to ban live exports, it would um, it would put an end to a, a lot of cross-border Ireland trade, which uh, which is all done by road and is often very very short distances. Um, but if it, if it was a ban of uh, live exports from the UK. It would put an end to that trade.
0: As you say, it could um, really—I mean—decimate the trade in the UK, couldn't it? In some communities, anyway,
1: it could. And um, you know, the, the numbers of live animals that are exported for slaughter uh, are really very, very low now. They're probably no more than uh, maybe twenty, twenty-five thousand animals in, in a whole year, and that would be probably 10% of what would have been exported live uh, a couple of decades ago. So there's been a huge move towards animals being uh, slaughtered and and cut here and then uh, us exporting uh, either carcasses or, or cuts of meat. So And that's a good thing because it uh, it creates jobs here, adds value here. But that live trade still is very important at certain times of the year in terms of keep, keeping some competition in, in, into the market and also – um, allowing some of those um, uh, 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 processors in France to get access to a very high-quality product that they quite clearly want. So th- th- we believe that the solution is to um, uh, to, to, to actually uh, put a level of assurance within uh, the, the export. Most, when, when you get to talk to uh, campaigners, uh, welfare campaigners, about this, their real concerns are more about a lack of... Um, of, of regulatory compliance when stock gets to the other side of the channel you know whether things are are as, are as policed and as enforced as they are here in the UK and um, you know we would accept it. Uh, you know over the last few years there's been a few uh, breaches and the level of yeah regulatory compliance isn't as good as we would like so what we're saying is that we would like to see the introduction of a uh, an assurance scheme where we would uh, where we could transparently know uh, the, the, the the journey involved, uh, where the pickup point was, uh, where animals were congregated, uh, the, time uh, the, uh, the times of departure, uh, the destination, the times of of arrival um, and and to know that they're truly going direct to slaughter and not being transported any further so we, we would like to see the industry in a way take control of this but be very transparent about ensuring that uh, Very good welfare conditions were being met when animals were going over uh, the, 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 the channel for a very, very legitimate trade.
0: That's Phil Stocker at the NSA. What do you make of the uh, consultation? Drop us an email, get in touch through the website. It is going to be one I'm sure we will be returning to. Alan Robson is agricultural chaplain. Alan, as you're here, what what do you make of it all?
3: If this is a sign of how they're going to deal with trade and export, it's a very bad sign, um, because export of sheep from Ireland to Britain, Britain to Ireland and over to Europe, it's absolutely essential to get that pricing into the industry, and uh, a ban on live exports. I I don't know who dreamt that one up, but it's uh, not the best idea. It will cripple price, I think, and I'm sure the National Association of Sheep Farmers um, will be vociferously fighting this one. Um, It just seems uh, irrational uh, to limit trade in, in this way to a very important sector in the UK. So uh, I hope that one is withdrawn.
0: We shall see. We'll keep tabs on it. Now, we didn't get you in to talk about that, really. We got you into... Uh, we, we keep talking about agricultural chaplain, but I'm sure even those who are in agriculture might think what does an agricultural chaplain do so we thought well why don't we find
3: out you're the man who knows well uh, how interesting yes you've not asked me over the last 15 years of what else i get up to but um yeah the, the the role's very much wider than just going down farm drives which is the core and the most important bits that I do and enjoy, but they're keeping an eye on the wider picture. So what am I doing this month? I'm going to the City Food Lecture in London to listen to one of the leaders of the retail sectors. Um, The day after, I'm going to a food fraud event. Professor Chris Elliott, who spoke at the Oxford Farming Conference, yeah. and people might be surprised to know that food fraud uh, generates more money than drugs being sold in the world. So it's a massive issue you know, that we've got to grow fifty in the next 50 years as much food as we've grown in the previous 500. And so you need a traceable system, and Professor Elliott's doing a lot of good work on that, and uh, I, I, I'm having a meeting with him to talk about how we can get um, integrity across the whole food chain. So we've had recent food scandals about burgers and, and and Professor Elliott was the man who did the review on horse meat scandal. So I, I get involved in big picture stuff, um, which I think are important for longer term um, farming as well as food industry. And we'll be talking uh, perhaps about the other things I've I get involved with now in Lincoln City, bringing my knowledge of uh, all sorts of networks to do with farming um, into how can we solve some of the problems in the food industry uh, at the food system in Lincoln. And so, you know, like the Town Meets Country event um, is a very important link there. You know, the city farm uh, just emerging up on the hillside and Abbey Ward is another Great event, that green synergy 're involved with, so i I think there are very important crossovers between the general farming and what I do, um, perhaps at a more micro level how,
0: how many hours would you say you work you know I speak, the, 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 the joke is you already work Sundays you lot. it um, but uh, if I mean you must work. Tirelessly, I know you're often first thing in the morning, very late at night. It's, uh, I guess, it's difficult to to it down week by week, is it?
3: It, it is, and, and uh, you know, people's uh, crises don't come in nice little slots. And so, uh, yes, I, 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 I do work quite a lot of hours. I, I guess I be quiet i don 't always work the European you know directive, but um, it, meeting people and, and developing projects with people is always exciting so i don 't mind immediately you know after we 've done this i 'm heading towards brig or going to other places to meet people to see how we can uh, develop projects and and ideas for the benefit of community uh, yes i love it and i have loved it and it's been a buzzing 16 17 years however long it's been all right well i tell you what we'll do let's keep updating
0: uh, maybe get you in once a month over the coming year to really drill down little different aspects of what the job entails because i know our listeners will be fascinated to know thank you, uh, sure. you know what more goes on with the job yeah yeah that'll be great chat to you in a few weeks then for now thank you reverend canon alan robson Back to our guest with us throughout the programme this week, Nick Morris from British Sugar. Nick, once this campaign is over in, what, five or six weeks' time, uh, you've got some interesting things happening at the factory in New York then, haven't you? Yeah,
2: we have. So um, if I was just to detail some of the the more major work that we'll be undertaking... Um, the the first sort of development piece uh, I would mention is we've got a uh, process control system which ultimately operates every part of our factory. And it, the one we currently use was installed uh, in the 80s, so it looks quite old-fashioned, a little bit like Tetris. And uh, however, it's in- incredibly effective and, and serves as well. But it does need updating, as always, these things uh, get to a point where they're no longer going to be supported by the manufacturer. So we're going to be updating that as a program across all of our sites and are actually quite well on with those plans. And we'll be completing the first stage at Newark Factory by replacing the the hardware by the end of this spring. So that's a a key uh, project for us and a very, very significant investment. As ever, we'll also be undergoing some critical replacement and essential maintenance work. And That will include uh, quite a lot of pipe work, so you'll recall at the beginning of this campaign we had some lost opportunity in uh, production throughput through leaks, so we are undergoing quite a significant programme replacing mild steel for stainless steel to give us that extra reliability. We are uh, replacing some feed pumps to our boilers. We're replacing two tanks, one of which contains our waste water uh, treatment process and the other molasses, which is will be a familiar name to some that uh, we use as a, an animal feed. So quite a lot of uh, plant replacement and quite a lot of activity, lifting roofs off the factory, crane work, uh, carrying out those operations. So it'll be very, very busy, uh, sort of uh, quite a short 24-week period between uh, the end of this campaign and the start
4: of the next,
0: we'll have more from our guest nick morris soon first agronomy with our crop doctor sean sparling it's uh cold and wet out there still isn't it sean
4: yes morning sean well it's bound to be isn't it because it, it used to be called february Fildite for a very good reason um we get wet weather in february you know we're only, we're smack bang in the middle of winter it's only just into february now um and to consider putting nitrogen on rape and wheat and barley at the moment i think it's a crackers absolutely crackers and let me tell you why because the reason rate looks like it looks so it's looking a bluey green colour. It's shutting down the older leaves. They're going a bit yellow. It's looking a bit unhappy and moth-eaten. Winter barley's is as gold as a guinea. You've got winter wheat showing this bluey green colour. Some of them are going orange even. The reason they're doing that is because of the soil conditions and because of what's going on in the field. Soil temperatures are below 4, so these crops are not moving. You've got waterlogged soil, so their roots are sitting in water. It's not anaerobic, but they don't like their feet being wet. You've got... A lack of growth. The soils are so cold they're not mineralizing and releasing the nutrients, the nitrogen in particular. So they're hungry. That's what we're looking at. It always happens. We get it every single year and it's a physiological response. What the plants are doing is shutting down their extremities and concentrating all their efforts and resources onto the new growth to ensure that when things do improve, when they do get some food, there's new active growth there to get going. So that's all we're looking at. Now if you go putting nitrogen and sulphur, and sulphur is a very important important element. particularly over the last three or four years we've seen more and more sulfur deficiency in the field, so when you see pale new growth and the older growth is green, that is sulfur deficiency it's exactly the opposite of the symptoms of nitrogen deficiency, where the new growth is green and the old leaves are pale but no amount of nitrogen will correct sulfur deficiency, so oilseed rape has a requirement of about 75 kilos of sulfur, sulfate SO3 a season winter cereals have a, a requirement of around 50 to 60 kilos of SO3 spring cereals between 40 and 50 kilos of SO3 and it's vital for uh, stem elongation so as long as it's on by the time the crop reaches stem elongation so end of March beginning of April it takes four weeks to get into the crop so come back four weeks as long as it's on by the end of February that's plenty of time but to put nitrogen and sulfur on a crop Any crop, when it's not growing, the soils are wet, there's water standing in the tram lines, the drains are running, and the soil temperature is such that the crop's not going to have the ability to take that up because it's not metabolising quickly enough. You could lose 30% of that. That's a waste of your money, and it's also going to get into the water, so we increase nitrates in the drinking water. So there's nothing good about putting nitrogen onto a crop that's not growing on waterlogged land. So bide your time there is no desperate hurry. Disease levels are low in rate, disease levels very low in cereals. If you've still got blackgrass to spray in your wheat and you've got Atlantis or Pacifica or Monolith or something similar to go on, remember you need to hit a dry blackgrass leaf and don't use bubble jets or air induction nozzles. You need a fine medium quality spray, not a coarse spray. That's very very important. Um, and I understand the urgency of people wanting to get on because over the course of the next six to eight weeks we've got to drill spring barley, spring wheat, spring beans, peas, vining peas, linseed, sugar beet, potato, we've got a lot to do. What I would suggest we do is work out based on your thousand seed weight what seed rate you should be drilling. Don't just put a bag and a half of spring barley on because you've always done that because if you've got a low thousand seed weight you may end up with a crop that's way too thick that will compromise yield and increase your spend on fungicide. Similarly, if the 1,000 seed weight is high and you do that, you may not have enough plants in the field. So your calculation is 1,000 seed weight multiplied by target number of established plants per square metre, divided by the percentage germination of the seed, multiplied by 1.1 for a 10% field loss, 1.15 for 15% field losses. And you should apply 15% field losses to P seed rates, 10% really seed losses to most other things. So... Aim for 350 established plants a square metre in spring barley after all that. Spring wheat, 300 to 25, maybe slightly higher than that if it's black grass you're after, because it doesn't tiller like a winter wheat. Spring beans, 45, 40 to 45 plants a square metre. Um, peas, 65 to 70 if they're fats per square metre. Um, but just speak to your agronomist and make sure you're trying to do exactly the right sort of level of seed rate and what if you do that calculation based on thousand seed weight you'll end up with something close to the optimum that you should expect and i think that's where we all ought to be really it'll reduce your need for uh fungicides if you have picked the right varieties but everything should be discussed and worked out based upon the seed bed and the environmental conditions you're drilling into it's not easy to do it it's not an easy job but i do think at the moment the beginning of February is too early to be worrying and panicking about putting nitrogen onto wet, cold, sodden fields. So hopefully in a week's time we'll be talking about, oh, isn't it lovely now? It's come nice and warm and spring has sprung. I truly hope that is the case. But if it isn't, there's not an awful lot we can do about it.
0: Ha, We can hope. I'm not sure about that. Uh, thank you, Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. It's fair to say it's been a quiet start to the year for grain prices. Uh, we're in February now, so uh, is that changing, Chris Spratt from Open Field?
5: Well, I suppose, you know, <laughs> can we talk about the equity markets? They've been a bit more exciting than anything this week, haven't they, really? That's true, that's um, true. I suppose uh, one of the points of interest this week, really, I suppose although the uh, the interest rates have been kept on hold by the Bank of England, they have indicated that you know, we will see uh, interest rate rises going further forward, and and probably a little bit quicker than what uh, they thought at their last review back in November, and you know that will always firm the pound and comm- keep any you know commodity gains like you know in check to a certain extent. Uh, U.S. wheat futures on the Chicago Board of Trade, well, they hit a four-month high in midweek, uh, short covering really there and speculative buying on the back of the continued dryness in the plains and something that the market doesn't really want to uh, ignore. Uh, It's normally a bit later on in the season when we start talking about what the weatherman is doing in the U.S., but it looks like we started a bit early this year. As for European buyers, well, the strength... Well, the relative strength of the euro uh, against the pound still keeps European buyers looking at UK cereals. But, you know, we've got a tight supply and demand like we've spoke about many times now. And we've really got very little wheat to to offer them. But it remains good news for UK barley, which is being shipped on a regular basis, mainly to EU destinations into Spain. You know, uh, we've uh, already shipped uh, countless number of boats down, down there out of the south coast. Uh, The other point, I think, uh, you know, due to the relative weakness of the pound versus the euro, UK UK consumer who would uh, look at EU imports is still probably preferring the UK domestic uh, commodities, you know, our our grain rather than imported, really. And at 1.13, 1.14, it's a long way off the lows that we saw, uh, but, you know, it's still weaker than pre-Brexit exchanges. Feed wheat prices over the week, well, they've crabbed sideways, really, as much as anything else. Domestic demand is good. Spot prices varying, you know, really dependent on uh, your local demand and, and 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 the markets further north. And that can really alter within a few minutes. I think I've had a range of probably 4 or £5 pound a tonne on my spot price over the week. Uh, as soon as we get someone in who wants to buy some wheat, well, then we're off to the races again. And really, that's been a case for the while. Uh, with con- you know consumers continually topping up the the spot position and reluctant to pay any incremental carry going forward hoping the market's going to drift but we have seen a few more inquiries and commitments being made on new crop throughout the week so that's good news. All seed rate well that has had a positive week uh, I think after several weeks of downward pressure again although you know old, any rally on the old crop has been restricted by currency but new crop values have improved with the uh, You know, a a few trades taking place there. I wouldn't say uh, it's a free-flowing two-way trade, but a few trades taking place. Often the catalyst for our all-seed rate prices is the soya crops. And uh, in Brazil, they've been hampered by wet weather and logistics. Uh, And in Argentina, well, their crop issues really are more focused on dry weather that they've been having. But also the Argentinian truck owners, they're having their seemingly usual annual strike. And the issue is, as usual, over haulage rates, and that's been significantly slowing arrivals to Porton. We seem to talk about that every year at this stage. So they obviously have got that in their diaries as far as uh, their uh, annual uh, haulage rate review is concerned. Thursday's USDA report, well, that was really negative for soybeans, with poor shipments out of the US uh, taking stocks to an 11-year high. Feed wheat prices for February 137 in the south of our area, South Lincolnshire up to 144x farm into uh, Yorkshire. Harvest 135 to 140x farm, and November feed wheat uh, 137 to 143x farm. Group 1 premium on the old crop still 8 to 10 pound, and uh, well, really uh, a wide bid and offer spread on the new crop per premium. With feed barley, 127 to 133 for February, so that's still holding up well and a nominal carry going forward. New crop barley also improved, currently valued post-harvest at £15 discount a week, so around about £125, give or take a pound or two for November eighteen. New crop spring barley prices there just ease back again a little bit really for November at £143. All seed rape, 282 to 287 for February, with harvest 282 to 285, and November 18, 290 to 295. And finally, feed beans, 145 to £150 pound X farm, with the best quality human consumptions, 170 to 175 X farm. Chris Spratt,
0: Open Field. My guest throughout the programme today has been Nick Morris from British Sugar. He's here, of course, throughout the campaign, but we thought we'd keep him captive for a bit longer this week. Uh, Nick, we've already heard the latest on the campaign and plans for the factory once it's over. What about uh, next year's crop, though?
2: Well, I think that's... uh... It's really, really important to step back uh, from uh, the, the daily grind of the farm and actually just consider the lessons learned from the season we've just gone through. And for us, uh, looking uh, out outside in as we travel across a number of these farms, uh, we always see that attention to detail is consistently rewarded with high yields. And particularly when it comes down to establishing the crop, and in real terms, that's only uh, you know four weeks away. When will we starting that operation? So if you break that down, what we're really talking about there is achieving quality seed beds to drill into. Really, really important to give the the crop a, a nice start uh, to, to germinate and establish. And uh, the most critical one really is getting the crop drilled uh, with a target of the end of March. So yes, the soil conditions have to be fit and uh, suitable for, for travelling on, but we know that around 40% of the national crop is drilled after the end of March. So Even before we apply fertiliser or spray the crop, we've compromised yield just by sowing it too late. So trying to get that crop in in the right conditions in March is really, really key. And the most important sort of uh, key performance indicator, if you like, towards the starting of a quality crop is uh, establishing 100,000 plants a hectare, which will make it through to harvest. Really, really key across every hectare on the farm. But as always, our field agricultural team are on hand to advise on seed spacing, drill setup and seabed preparation. So uh, when conditions become dry enough, don't hesitate to, uh, to get in touch.
0: All right. Well, Nick, thank you for joining us again this morning. And um, we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks.
2: Great. Thanks, Sean.
0: The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Winter's not over yet. Wintry showers falling today. Highs of 4 Celsius. The wind from the west, 20 Gusting at 30 miles an hour. It's quite breezy overnight, wasn't it? A misty end to the day today, then clear skies will mean temperatures below freezing, minus one generally the low, the westerly wind continuing at about uh, 15 to 30 miles an hour. Tomorrow starts off with patchy cloud, but sunny spells in the afternoon. Temperatures at best at 5 Celsius, a little bit calmer. From the west-southwest, the wind 15 to 20 miles an hour. And then again, clear skies Monday into Tuesday. Temperatures generally around 1 Celsius. That says the wind will be swinging more from the south-southwest 15, maybe gusting at 35, even 40 miles an hour first thing on Tuesday. Tuesday itself, possibility of a few showers to start off, then some sunshine later, five the high. Winds quite strong from the south, again maybe gusting nearer 50 miles an hour. And then it's Apache cloud overnight, Tuesday into Wednesday. Temperatures around freezing point, the wind more from the east at about five miles an hour. Wednesday at the moment Valentine's Day looks like being a rather wet day it has to be said and quite breezy as well from the south southeast gusts of maybe 35 miles an hour for a time but milder because it's blowing from the south 11 will be the uh, daytime high for Wednesday and then the latter end of the week well maybe the possibility of a few more wintry showers a little bit cooler as well 5 Celsius generally the high with lows overnight around freezing point. And that is the forecast and, of course, another week in the world of agriculture. Thank you uh, for your company. There's no point in me doing it if if you're not there, so thank you. Uh, We'll do it again for you at the same time next week. Until then, as ever, have a good week's farming.